All right, all right, let's go ahead and get started. Welcome to North Village Church. My name is Michael, one of the pastors here. It's great to see you here uh, this morning. We're going to be in Romans chapter 11. If you don't have a Bible, grab one at the uh, bag, download one on your phone, and uh, we want you to lean into God's Word. We're digging into some thick scripture, uh, Romans 9, 10, and 11. So proud of our church family. We also have tablets we pass to the aisle. Uh, every, everybody kind of signs in, checks in, and then uh, if you're new here, uh, just give us uh, what information you're comfortable with. We want to make it as easy as possible for you to learn about what Jesus is doing at uh, North Village Church, and so thankful for that. And then we have these rave cards, man. Take, take these rave cards. Be praying about a friend, a coworker, a family member to invite, and just come and see what Jesus is doing in North Village Church. Well, I don't know about you. I don't know what your spiritual journey is, uh, has been like in life, but I didn't grow up going to church. I, I didn't grow up with a, a mom and dad talking to me about uh, Jesus. Uh, definitely didn't grow up wanting to be a pastor uh, one day. Came to faith uh, in Jesus when I was 18 years old and uh, got connected to a local church at uh, the university I was attending. And uh, they just started teaching me the scriptures. Uh, just started meeting with me, kind of walking me through how to study God's word. And then at some point, they said, now you go and share what we've been talking about. You go share that with your friends. And uh, I thought that was laughable because I thought, you don't want me talking to somebody about uh, Jesus. Who would listen to me talk to them about God's word? Wouldn't that be funny, right? And, uh, and then sure enough, at some point, uh, as I started to do that, somebody said, hey, have you thought about going to seminary? If you go to seminary, I'll pay for you to go to seminary. It's where you learn Bible and theology. And I thought that was also laughable. Like, why would you uh, do that? And then somebody said, hey, have you ever thought about starting a church? I thought, you're now, okay, this is getting funny. And, uh, you know, have you ever thought about moving to Austin? And when I look at my journey with Jesus, I mean, I honestly, there's times where, I mean, like tears will come to my eyes because, like, he's just been so, so good to me. I just poured out just provision and care. Uh, so much so that for the longest time, uh, when I would talk to people about God and, and they would talk about their frustration with God or their anger with God, their confusion about, I, I, I had a hard time relating. I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. Jesus is freaking awesome. Until uh, one day when I was about 30, I, I hit a, a string of challenges uh, in life. Um, handful of hardships, right? Uh, first was I, I got a phone call about my grandfather that he had uh, passed away. And, and this was like the first person in my life that I knew uh, that, that passed away, that died, and so it, it, it hit me hard, uh, but he was also to 90, and so I took it in stride. You can't live forever. I got it. Okay, and then about 30 days later, I got another phone call that his wife, my grandmother, uh, had passed away, to which I, I thought, I told my wife, if you could die within 30 days of me dying, I think that's like the greatest compliment ever, like, so I thought that was really, really cool, but it's still hard to hear, and then about a month later, I uh, got a phone call from my uncle, and he says to me, he says, hey, Michael, I'm really concerned about your dad. Could you drive to his house and check on him? Uh, I said, uh, no. That's like six-hour drive. If you're concerned, you go check on him, <laughs> all right? And then about midnight, uh, I'm laying in bed, and I don't know, maybe the Lord, maybe, I don't know. I, I, I thought, I'm going to go check on him. So I woke up my wife, got my three-month-old daughter in the car. We drove for six hours, and, and sure enough, walked in uh, to my dad's house, and he was on the floor. He passed away from a massive uh, heart attack. And, uh, and then about 30 days after that, got another phone call, and um, my wife Holly's pregnant, and she says, hey, I'm coming home early from work uh, because I'm starting to bleed. Uh, and, and she was beginning to, to go through a miscarriage. 
And I didn't know it at the time, but at 30 years of old, and these string of challenging events, I found myself spiraling into a, a dark place, uh, into a place of, of despair. And I, I wouldn't have uh, called it at the time, but really to functional uh, depression. And I don't think I recognized it at the time, but when I look back on those days, I quickly found myself getting angry to doubt the promises of God. I remember having thoughts, and again, I don't know if I even said them out loud, but I definitely had thoughts like, God, have you forgotten about me? Like one death, okay, two death. I mean, about the fifth death, I'm just like, hello, like, hello. Like, do you not care? Like, do you see? Like, I'm right here. I started to feel like he was indifferent to my pain, and, and I didn't know it then, but, but I was beginning to doubt the promises of God. And, and I don't know what your story is, has been like and what, what challenges that, that you might have uh, gone through. You know, for, for all of us, this last year has, has, has been a a challenge uh, for us. But what I have found is that when we hit hard seasons, when we hit difficulty, we have a hard time understanding what the Lord is doing, like reading like what's going on in those moments. So this morning, we're going to look at Romans 11. And the Apostle Paul is going to encourage us by pointing us, wait for it, to the history of of Israel. Now, who, who doesn't just find encouragement just going through the history of Israel? I know that you're, oh, you might think this is going to be uh, comforting, and it, it might be challenging, but what we need to, when you look at the Old Testament, when you look at Israel, Israel is almost like a test case, right? If you want to see how the God of Scripture interacts with his people, and you look at the Old Testament, you look at Israel and the things that we'll learn in Israel, we'll see how it applies to our life today. So this morning we're going to see three subpoints. We're going to see the story of Elijah, the story of Moses, and the story of David. We're going to cover it all. So buckle up. Let's do the first one: story of Elijah. Romans eleven one to five. Hold God's word on our hand. Lean in with me. This is thick scripture we're reading here this morning in the New Testament, written by the apostle Apostle Paul. Says. Verse 1, I say then, I say then, Does that, maybe that's just me, <laughs> I say then, God has not rejected his people, has he? Far from it, for I, this is Paul talking, I am an Israelite, descendant of Abraham, tribe of Benjamin. God has not rejected his people whom he foreknew, or do you not know what the scripture says in the passage about Elijah? You don't know about Elijah? How he pleads with God against Israel? This is Elijah speaking. He's being quoted. Lord, they have killed your prophets. They have torn down your altars, and I alone am left. And they are seeking my life. Verse 4, but what is the divine response to him? This is the Lord speaking. I have kept for myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to Baal. In the same way, then, there has also come to be at the present time a remnant according to God's gracious Choice In verses 1 to 5, the Apostle Paul assumes questions. He assumes the reader has had challenging events in life also. Just like in the life of 
Israel. He's assuming the reader has had some, some, some difficulty, right? Young people, I love that our teenagers are sitting together now. Look at them. They're all helping each other focus, pay attention, lock on, right? That's awesome, right? You're going to have difficulty in life. Be encouraged, right? You, you just lived through COVID-19. I mean, that, those are difficult moments, right? It's difficult, right? And in difficult moments, we start to ask questions. God, where are you? What are you doing? forgotten that's exactly what's happening in verse one the apostle paul writes far from it don't look at me look at it look at god's word far from it haven't been abandoned by god far from it and then the apostle paul illustrates his point with elijah now how many of us are so familiar with elijah that when we go throughout live we say to our friends you know what this reminds me of just just like elijah right <laughs> That happens all the time, right? The reference to Elijah comes out of 1 Kings 19. Write that down in your notes, 1 Kings. 1 Kings in the Old Testament, 1 Kings, that really white, crisp part of your Bible that you've never read before, right? It's really clean, but it's fascinating. You should really make a note to go home and read 1 Kings 17, 18, and 19 because it's just cinematic. It's, it's beautiful. In 1 Kings 19, Elijah, he's just like you and me, right? He's He's navigating the difficulty of his day. He's trying to grow in his relationship with the Lord. And Elijah has an earthly leader named King Ahab who doesn't have any interest in the God of Scripture, right? King Ahab, not Captain Ahab from Moby Dick. King Elijah is living under an earthly leader that is indifferent to the God of Scripture. Like, who says that God's word is irrelevant, right? It's just like, we know what that's like. Elijah's faith is being challenged. Elijah's being discouraged. And in 1 Kings 19, Elijah says to King Ahab, let's build some altars. Elijah says to King Ahab, let's build an altar to the Lord, to the God of Scripture, right, a, a, a place of worship. And then let's also build an altar to King Ahab and to the cultural idols of the day. And let's pray and see which one spontaneously combusts in fire, right? That's what Elijah comes up with. It's exciting. One altar is for the cultural idols of the day. One altar is for the God of Scripture. He says, let's see what, what happens. So in 1 Kings 19, King Ahab starts praying, gets his priests, gets his prophets, starts doing some chants, some dancing, doing whatever they can, you know, to get that altar to, to, to light up and nothing happens. And then Elijah, like a, a play from the WWE, he says, let's make it more challenging. He says, let's pour on the altar to the God of Scripture, let's pour water all over it, right? Just to kind of ham up the crowds where he's just like, can't hear me. Right, right, let's, let's see what happens. And then Elijah prays, and you know what happens? Fire rains down from the sky. Boom, altar lights up in fire. It's amazing, right? It's amazing. It's powerful. Obvious to all, the God of Scripture is real and alive. And when you're reading this on your own later on today, you're probably thinking when you read, like, I bet everybody just erupts in praise and worship to God. But instead, King Ahab gets angry. And he sets out to kill Elijah. And Elijah runs for his life in fear. To kind of take that in. Imagine in one moment, Praising God, calling down fire out of, out of the heavens, like, look what my God can do. And the next moment, running for his life 
in fear, right? Because that's what happens in life, right? That's what we're going through life. Difficulties happen. Challenges happen. Hiccups happen. Fear sets in. Insecurities set in. Anxiety sets in. And doubt. And Elijah, that's what the Apostle Paul's quoting there. Elijah in verse 3, he begins to doubt. He says, am I the only one following you, Lord? Right, Elijah's like, am I the only one? Don't look at me, look at verse 3. Am I the only one following you who's had hardships, challenges, leads to fear, insecurity, to doubt? Am I the only one in verse 3? And then verse 4, the Lord responds. I have 7,000 who have not bowed the knee to Baal. Don't get distracted by that. That's just the cultural idols of the day. And the Lord says to Elijah, do you not know? I, I got 7,000. Men, women, and children that won't bow the knee. I got 7,000 men, women, and children you don't even know about. They're standing strong. 7,000 that are turning away from King Ahab and not following the cultural idols of the day. And the Lord is reminding Elijah, I'm working in ways you couldn't possibly understand. So let's bring that home. Let's bring that to 2021. I mean, throughout life, there are going to be moments where the Lord moves in powerful ways, isn't there? There's going to be moments in our story where he answers prayer. There are going to be moments where he brings tears to our eyes. There are going to be moments where we're like, I don't know how that happened. Yes, Lord, we lift our hands in praise. Those moments are awesome. But there's also going to be moments where we are filled with challenges, difficulty, hardships. They're going to result in fear, anxiety, insecurity, and we're going to cry out like Elijah. God, where are you? But God's word, the story of Elijah, the Old Testament the story of Israel is reminding us the Lord is always working in ways we couldn't possibly understand. He's always working to accomplish his promises, even when we don't see it. When I think about the life of our church family over this last year, right, we've had moments of praise, right, where he's provided in spectacular ways. Meeting at Cumberland, man, what a gift. Getting into this space, what a gift. Right, the resilience of our church family, what a gift. The humility of our church family over the last year, working with each other throughout this, like what a, what a gift. Those moments are great. But we have also have difficulties and challenges. And God's word is reminding us that he's working. He's there. It's true in Israel. It's true in our church family. It's true in our lives individually. That's in the story of Elijah. Let's look at the story of Moses. You with me? All right, all right, all right. Story of Moses. Remember, looking at, uh, we all go through difficult seasons. Apostle Paul is pointing us to Israel, reminding us of how God keeps his promises to his people, verses 6, 7, and 8. But if it is by grace, it is no longer on the basis of works, since otherwise grace is no longer grace. What then? What Israel is seeking, it has not obtained. But those who were chosen obtained it, and the rest were hardened. Just as it is written, God gave them a spirit of stupor, eyes to see not and ears to hear not, down to this very day. In verses 7 and 8, Moses is being quoted there. Right? Moses, the greatest spiritual leader of, of, of the Old Testament, of, of Israel. right? The prince of Egypt, the Ten Commandments, the parting of the, the Red Sea. right? You know the prince of Egypt, right? You watch that, Kaylee? Can be miracle. You don't know Mariah? When you believe. Oh, brings a tear. 
Hope is frail, it's hard to kill. Keep going. All right. He's quoting Deuteronomy 29. Deuteronomy, again, it's that white, crisp part of our Bibles we've never read. But in Deuteronomy 29, it's a recap of how Moses sends out 12 spies to investigate to see if a battle is worth the risk. And 10 of those 12 spies come back and they say, no, it's not worth the risk. The risk is too great. The people are too big. The enemy's too scary. Let's not do it. But two of the spies, Joshua and Caleb, they say, trust the Lord, follow the Lord. Romans 11, verse 8, reminds us that Moses listened to the 10 spies. Verse 8, God gave them over to a spirit of stupor. And as a result, the people's heart were hardened. And they wandered in the desert for 40 years until a whole generation passed away. And in verse 8, the Apostle Paul reminds us, these types of things are happening till this very day. That should draw us in. Do you see that in verse 8? These types of things are happening. What types of things are happening? Till the, the types of things where, where men, women, and children trust in our own strength. That's what the ten spies did. They looked at the enemy. They looked at their ability. They said, can't happen, right? That's happening till this very day. That's what he's saying in Romans chapter 11. Till this very day, there's men, women, and children that are looking at our resources, our, our, our abilities, looking at the challenge and saying, that's not possible. That's what I did in my life. I looked at that first death that came into my life, and I'm like, I can handle that one. The second death, I'm like, come on. That third, that fourth, that fifth death, and I'm like, whoa, I can't do this. It's not possible. I started to spiral. I started to ask questions, just like Elijah, just like Moses. Lord, what are you doing? Have you forgotten? In Romans 11, the story of Israel, the Old Testament, we're learning. The Apostle Paul says, the Lord's forgotten? No way, far from it, because we see that in the life of Israel. Uh, he still worked in Israel, right? They listened to the ten spies, but he still provided for Israel in the wilderness. Did you catch that? Right? The consequences of trusting in themselves and not in the Lord, the Lord still provided for Israel in the wilderness, right? The Lord still led them into the land. The Lord still accomplishes his promises in his people, well, that's true in our life today as well. Difficulty in our life doesn't discount his promises. You can write that down. Difficulty in our life doesn't discount his promises. Doubts in our life. When we doubt the Lord, when we doubt his promises, it doesn't discount his promises. Right? He still accomplishes his promises in his people. We learn that in the Old Testament. Let's look at our third one, the story of David, verses 9 and 10. Verse 9, and David says, may their table become a snare and a trap, a stumbling block and a retribution to them. May their eyes be darkened to see not and bend their backs continually. In verses 9 and 10, we see David is quoted from Psalm 69. David, the greatest king in the history of Israel. And in Psalm 69, David is writing about his hardships. He's writing about his difficulty. He's writing about his challenges. And again, you should read Psalm 69 on your own 
But Psalm 69, this quote is very interesting. Lean in and look at it. The Apostle Paul is essentially saying David's prayer has been answered. The prayer in Psalm 69, he applies it to the difficulty of Israel in that day. He's like, and he quote, he's like, look, it's been answered. Because in that moment, the Apostle Paul is trying to connect the dots to show Israel, you've placed yourself in opposition to the Lord. You've placed yourself as an enemy to the Lord. So that the table of Israel would have been the law. They would have feasted upon the law, and the law for Israel has become a stumbling block. I know this is challenging. Just lean in. Stay with me. He's applying 9 and 10 to Israel, to, the, to their difficulty. Their eyes have been darkened. Right? They, they've bent their neck in, in stubbornness. So the apostle Paul is clarifying, yeah, Israel, things are difficult. Things are challenging. But it doesn't mean the God of Scripture isn't working in his people to accomplish his promises. That's his encouragement. Yeah, it's difficult. You've placed yourself as an enemy to the Lord. But that doesn't mean that he's not working in that difficulty to accomplish his promises. In fact, it's just the opposite. The God of Scripture is working in and through their difficulty to accomplish his promises and his people. That's, that's the encouragement for us as well. Difficult right now. When you're watching the news, COVID cases are rising, Delta variant, what does that mean? I don't know. It's incredibly difficult. And we can be confident because of, we see this pattern in the story of Israel that he's working in our difficulty as well today. I'm not just trying to give you an encouraging word, but but look at verses 5 and, in, 5 and 6. This is what the Apostle Paul is saying. We skipped over it. We'll close out with this. We, we skipped over it, but just track with me on, on, on this. In verses 5 and 6, verse 5, it says, in the same way. You see it? He's, he's pointing the reader to the story of Israel to see the Lord's faithful hand accomplish his promises and his people. He says in verse 5, in the same way. Way that should draw us in. Same way as what? Right. Same way as what? Faithful hand in the same way. Look at verse five. There has also come to be at the present time a remnant, a a remnant, a remnant. What's a remnant? What what does that mean? A remnant are the the faithful few. The remnant are the the people of God. The remnant are his chosen people. His. It's always been a a faithful few, a remnant according to his gracious choice. You saw in the story of Elijah, didn't you? You saw, he's like, I got 7,000. Elijah's like, I'm all alone. He's like, child, please, I got 7,000. I got my remnant. I got my faithful few that are there. Ten spies. Say, no way, two spies, say, let's do it, let's trust, I got my remnant, even two, I got my remnant, right? In Acts chapter 18, the apostle Paul, the same one who writes this, the resurrected Jesus appears to him, Paul's covered in fear, he says, do not be afraid. Acts chapter 18, he says, keep speaking, keep going, Paul, because I got many people in this city. I got a remnant, 
faithful few in this room this morning. Those of us who profess faith in Jesus. There's a remnant. The faithful few that he's going to move through us according to his gracious choice to accomplish his promises. And it was true throughout the history of Israel. It's true in the days of Paul. And it's true for our day today. So that really, the questions we need to be asking this morning, the questions we need to be asking are not, can we trust him? Is he working? Does he care? We don't really need to ask those. We ask those questions, but we don't need to ask those questions. We can look clearly throughout the history of Israel. I mean, God's faithful to his promise. We don't need to ask that question. You know the question we need to be asking? The question we need to be asking is, are we his people? It's clear he's faithful to his people. So the urgency this morning to be clear that we're his people. How do we become his people? Verse, he says, it's by grace, not according to works. It's not according to ethnicity. It's not according to morality. It's not according to geography or genealogy. It's according to grace, by grace, through faith in Jesus. We need to be clear that we are his people. We need to confess with our mouth, right? We just looked at that a couple of weeks ago. Confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. We need to believe in our heart that he's conquered death, that he's resurrected from the dead. And if we do, we're his people. And if we're his people, he's faithful to his promises. Right? But there's an urgency to this, to this question, right? right? Sometimes we can be around the things of God, but not know God. We can be listening to sermons. We can be singing the songs. We can be serving people. We can have a lot of religious costumes, but not actually know him. Therefore, let us be sure today, let us be clear today that we know him. We've confessed with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, that we are his people. And if we are his people, then let us walk accordingly as his people, right? Right? When we're going through hardships and difficulty of our day, it doesn't mean we don't get discouraged. It doesn't mean we don't stumble. But let us filter those hardships and difficulties through the faithfulness of the Lord, Right? Let us filter, let us walk accordingly. Right? When we're watching the news and we're seeing those headlines come across the news, let us filter that news through the faithfulness of his hand. When we're with uh, coworkers, family members that, that don't reflect godly characteristics, let us filter that through the faithfulness of his hand. Let us remember that we too were people that didn't reflect godly characteristics, but by grace, through faith in Jesus, we have been washed. We have been cleansed. We have been sanctified. We have been justified. If he can do that in our life, he can do that in the life of our coworkers, family, and neighbors. Let us walk accordingly. Young people, are you listening? Teenagers today, what an exciting day to be alive. What an exciting opportunity to be, to be a people whose eyes are locked on the Lord. To be like the 7,000 in Elijah's day who didn't bend the knee to the cultural idols. That's an opportunity for our young people today. Man, who's going to stand up, keep their eyes focused on the Lord in the classrooms and online? 
as you get into college and as you date boys and girls. Keep your eyes locked on the Lord. 7,000 that won't bend the knee to the cultural idols of the day. That's true for our adults here today as well, isn't it? And who are the men, women, and children that are going to walk as his people? That we're not going to bend our knees to the, to the cultural idols of, 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 of gluttony and comfort and retirement and vacations and six-pack abs and, and social followings and political agendas. But our eyes are going to be locked on the Lord. That's the invitation. That's in the Old Testament. That's in the story of Israel. Will you bow your head? Just close your eyes. Well, Father in heaven, I thank you so much for today. I I thank you for these words in Romans 11, such thick scripture for us to dig into. And I'm so encouraged by our church family. You could take a nap. It's so hard uh, to get into this, but they're leaning in. Thank you for that, Father. We pray that you would take these words and you would bring them, you bring them to the surface, that you would make them alive, that you would do a work in our hearts in such a way that we're just not hearers of the word, but that we're doers of the word, that we're transformed by the word. It's because we've been transformed by Jesus. Father, I pray every man, woman, and child here that if if there's anyone here that's yet to believe in Jesus, to do that today. There's always going to be questions. There's always going to be doubts. There's always going to be difficulties. Let us not hold off on waiting to put our trust in Jesus, to give our life to Jesus. Pray, man, woman, and child here today, that you would lead them to that right now to stop listening to me and start talking to you and, and be, be reconciled to you and life eternally changed in you so that promises apply to every one of us here today. We thank you for that. We thank you for your faithfulness. Help us to walk in that. As you forgive me for my doubts, Oh, I give in to insecurity so easily. I give washed up in fear so easily. My eyes get distracted so easily. Would you forgive me, Jesus? And would you help me? Would you help us to trust you, to see the faithfulness of your hand in Israel and be confident we can trust you? It's in Jesus' name. Amen.